you've got to think things hopefully will get better at some point. Yes, we don't know when that's going to be, but down with this doom and gloom. So I think for me, the first piece of advice I have is to focus on what you can control and not what you can't. Let's not catastrophize following this overload of negativity about what we cannot control. And certainly as small charities, what have we got in our back pocket? Well, we can be really creative. We can be agile, dare I say it, adventurous in our thinking. Venture Ashram, we may be small, but we've got all of these different amazing fundraising activities planned and a really amazing global campaign in Yoga Stops Traffic. And so that's what I'm going to try and focus on in the next six months is moving forward positively as much as we can. Welcome to season four of the Charity CEO podcast, the podcast for charity leaders by charity leaders, bringing you inspirational and meaningful conversations with leaders who are driving change in the nonprofit space. I'm truly delighted and humbled that the show has been named in the Charity Times top 10 charity podcast for 2022. Thank you all for that incredible endorsement. I'm Divya O'Connor, and here's the show. There are 8 million people affected by human trafficking in India every year. According to the UN, 79% of human trafficking is for sexual exploitation, and 20% of all trafficking victims are children. Adventure Ashram is a small but mighty charity that is looking to change this. Driven by a spirit of adventure and freedom, the Adventure Ashram focuses on supporting grassroots anti-trafficking and education projects in South India. I speak today with their CEO, Siobhan McCarthy-Morton. We talk about Adventure Ashram's partnership delivery model, and Siobhan tells us about mobilising for their iconic Yoga Stops Traffic global event with a team of just three, showcasing the power of collective action. Siobhan also sounds a rallying cry for the value and importance of small charities, with a reminder that all charities, no matter how large or small, are made up of a community of people who care deeply about a cause, and this is what makes them powerful changemakers. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, Siobhan. Welcome to the Charity CEO podcast. Great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Debbie. I'm really, really excited to be here. Now, I know that this podcast is only going to be released in the new year, but as we are recording this literally two days before Christmas, I thought I would incorporate a bit of a festive theme in our icebreaker questions and carry on the festive feeling for a bit longer. <laughs> Great. I love it. Yes. It's a very strange time that period before Christmas. So yes. <laughs> Indeed. And you have a beautiful Christmas tree in the background. So yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> Question one. How old were you when you found out that Santa wasn't real? <laughs> oh my goodness what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully we have no children listening to the podcast and having their dreams shattered <laughs> 18 plus no I'm just kidding gosh that is such a good question I actually don't even know if I can tell you the answer because I can't really remember exactly when I think it must have been probably I guess when I was around nine or ten but I don't actually have that memory of this crashing terrible discovery so I don't know it must have been a sort of slow <laughs> realization perhaps but yes I don't have a sort of traumatic memory about it so that's good at least <laughs> well that is good so my son is seven and I kind of think this might be the last year that he still believes in Santa Claus and you know we're going to put out the mince pies and get the stockings out and the carrot for the reindeer Oh gosh, that reminded me. I don't think I've bought any carrots. <laughs> okay, need to do a quick <laughs> shop today or tomorrow. Question two, mince pie or Christmas pudding? 
Oh, this is a tough one because I'm not actually a huge fan of either of them, if I'm honest. (laughs) I'll really eat like one mince pie a year, basically, is my quantity that I'll have. I think probably I would go with Christmas pudding, although I would say cheese is the ultimate answer instead of either of those. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. I will give you cheese. Mince pie is mine. And they always say you can never have too many mince pies at Christmas. So enjoy (laughs) your cheese instead. Question three. (laughs) What would you like Santa to bring you for Christmas? <laughs> That's a surprisingly tough question at this stage in life, I think. What do I want Santa to bring me? I would like Santa to bring me some lovely, comforting items like nice pajamas and lovely bath oils for all of those comfy moments over the Christmas holiday where we all hopefully get some nice rest and relaxation after a crazy year. So not very exciting. <laughs> But yes, that's where I'm at, I think. Indeed, I was having a conversation with a charity CEO just yesterday and his wish was very similar. Just some peace and quiet, (laughs) 24 hours of peace and quiet and rest and relaxation. Oh, absolutely. So coming now to a little bit more of a professional footing. Question four, what is your professional superpower? So professional superpower, I think, having thought a bit about it, I've actually sort of discovered it in the last couple of years and it's been a bit of a surprise because what I would say is probably optimism really and a kind of ongoing ability to find optimism and a way forward and be positive about things and it's funny because I think prior to the pandemic I probably wouldn't have necessarily said that about myself however (laughs) over the last challenging few years I definitely have noticed that as an ability to just really try and always see the best in things and think things are going to get better and just keep going. And so, yeah, that's what I would suggest. Well, that is such an important superpower, Siobhan. I mean, the lovely Debs Alcock-Tyler just released her missive a couple of days ago, and she talked about charity sector leaders being purveyors of hope. And so that is definitely a superpower that I think all of us in the sector have. So coming to our final icebreaker now, Siobhan, if you had the opportunity to interview anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and what one question would you like to ask them? The way I've been sort of picturing if I could interview anybody is just saying, if I could just invite somebody around for a takeaway, sit here, have a glass of wine, ask them some questions. At this point in my life and the stage where we're all at, I think my answer is Brene Brown, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my reasoning for that is I would love to just sit down with her and sort of have a bit of a laugh, but just say, look, what's the 10 point plan for the next year? Help all of us charity leaders to figure this out. And I imagine listening to her, she'd probably end it with saying something like, you've got this already. (laughs) It would hopefully be really reassuring in a positive meeting. But yeah, that's my thinking. Just because I think she's somebody that just looks like she'd be a great laugh and a good chat as well as obviously being uh, helpful in lots of ways. Brilliant. So Brene Brown, if you are listening to this podcast, what Siobhan really wants for Christmas is a 10 point plan to (laughs) give us all in the sector some guidance. I love that. That would be fantastic to get that perspective from Brene Brown. Siobhan, you are the CEO of the charity, The Adventure Ashram. Tell us about your organization's vision and mission. All right. So Adventure Ashram is um, a really interesting little charity that I've been CEO of since the spring of this year. And it was set up about 15 years ago by a group of adventure motorbikers. Quite quirky in that respect. It's a group of sort of friends and companions and adventure motorbikers who really loved traveling in India and 
took lots of trips there and basically decided that they wanted to be able to give back to this country that they loved and have a great passion for and respect for. And so Adventure Ashram really is born out of that desire to give back to India, a country that they loved. And here we are 15 years later, and now we are well established and we fund a variety of different programs. So we focus on supporting survivors of human trafficking, and we also support education projects too. Well, thank you, Siobhan. I was going to ask you where the adventure bit comes from. So thanks for clearing that up. And I must say, I'm quite jealous because I know that you have just come back from a trip to India and you, I don't believe, went to my hometown of Chennai, but you were quite close to Chennai in Bangalore. And the last time I visited India was over three years ago, pre-COVID. So I want to hear all about your trip. Tell us where you went, what you saw there and who you met. Oh, amazing. Yes, it's such an amazing place. So yeah, over three years, I bet you can't wait to get back. Indeed, yes. It was a really, really wonderful trip. I, it's my first time going out there to actually visit the projects in person. So I flew into Bangalore and traveled straight to Mysore, which is the base for Odinardi Siva Trust, which is one of our partner charities there. And it's an amazing organization that's been running for over 30 years now. And essentially, it provides refuge to survivors of human trafficking and also people who've experienced issues such as domestic violence, domestic servitude, and it provides sort of a safe space and a safe home. It also carries out rescues for women and children who have been human trafficked and forced into sexual exploitation. And so it rescues people from brothels and does all sorts of important work. So in addition to obviously providing a home and rescuing people from really challenging situations, it also is really focused ultimately on empowering people to really live the best life that they can. And so it's not just about providing safety, it's also about helping people to move forward in their lives. And so it obviously provides a path to education for the children that it supports. And in addition to that, it has employment opportunities as a real focus. So it has its own on-site beauty parlor and training school so that young women can train to become beauticians. And it also has an on-site bakery. And in addition to that, it, there is a mechanical workshop. And that is something that Adventure Ashram have completely sort of instigated and funded and supported from the start. I know that the issue of human trafficking and sex trafficking in particular is a very big one in India. And it is estimated that around 8 million people are affected by human trafficking in India. And of course, women and girls are particularly at risk, accounting for 71% of all people who are trafficked worldwide. Siobhan, can you tell us a bit more about this issue and sort of the wider context of human trafficking? Yes, I think regarding human trafficking, obviously poverty is a key driver often, making women and children exceptionally vulnerable to exploitation. So, for example, when I was at Odinardi in Mysore recently and speaking to members of the rescue team there, they talked about the fact that they have definitely seen a rise in young women who have been trafficked really, you know, their families thinking that they have enabled them to be maybe entering a marriage or finding work. And actually what's been happening is that they've really been misled. And essentially this young woman or child, as is often the case, is then trafficked into a situation of sexual exploitation and they're removed from their families, etc. And so that they've definitely seen a rise in things like that occurring. Siobhan, I was honoured to join you in October at the 
Om Yoga Show in London, where I took part in your Yoga Stops Traffic mini event. And I know that the annual worldwide Yoga Stops Traffic event is coming up in March. Tell us about that event, how it started and how it is helping bring attention to this really serious issue of human trafficking and modern slavery. Thank you so much for coming to the Om Yoga show. That was fantastic. We were so excited to meet you there. And to be honest, we were just really excited to be at the show because Yoga Stops Traffic really is our flagship campaign. It's a really fantastic global movement. It was created originally by two yoga teachers in Mysore who were volunteers. And they worked with Odinardi and they knew the power of their work and the importance of it. And so they created Yoga Stops Traffic. And essentially what they've done is connect yoga enthusiasts with yoga studios, yoga teachers, companies connected with yoga, and all of them together have created this annual campaign whereby we raise money from different classes that take place or individual donations or by sponsorship and all of it comes together to support Odinardi each year. So if people want to get involved in Yoga Stops Traffic this year as the global event coming up in March, how can they get involved and how can they support it? So we would absolutely love people to get involved with Yoga Stops Traffic and there's lots of different ways. So please check out our website. And if you are a yoga enthusiast, you can get involved by joining one of our classes. We have hundreds taking place each year and they take place all over the world. We've got activities lined up in Paris and all sorts of different places. So please check out, you could join a class, you can also join classes online, or you you can set up a regular donation, you can set up an individual donation or What also really, really helps us is just to help us by sharing what we're doing. Share it with friends, share it on your social media. Really what Yoga Stops Traffic is about is building this positive community. And we are all connected. We're connected with our friends in Mysore who are all going to be creating this amazing flagship event where they get hundreds and hundreds of people to practice yoga in front of Mysore Palace, where they literally stop traffic. And it's all about promoting the importance of this message of stop human trafficking. And it's just such a powerful message and a powerful way for us to connect lots and lots of people all across the world. So March 11th, 2023, we're asking anyone with an interest in it, please get involved. There's lots of different ways and it really, really will make such a big difference to the women and children who were helped at Odinardi. And the website is adventureashram.org and we will include links in the show notes as well. I must say, Siobhan, when I did the class back in October at the Om Yoga Show, we did, I think it was a set of 35 sun salutations all at once continuously. And I don't think I've ever done that before, but it felt really empowering (laughs) and to do it for a good cause as well. It's fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, it was brilliant to have you there. And it was wonderful to be at the show and actually meet so many amazing people because that was a first for us. And it's just a reminder coming out of COVID as well, I think, is that, yes, we've got our online, we've got our social media, but actually so often nothing beats meeting people face to face and meeting so many people at the show who took an interest, came and chatted with us, donated, offered to set up their own classes. That is just really amazing as well and so valuable. Absolutely. And hopefully in 2023, the whole charity sector will see a lot more (laughs) in-person fundraising and in-person events coming back to sit alongside. Oh, let's hope so. Yes, to sit alongside the great work that's happening digitally and online as well. Siobhan, you mentioned education projects, and I know that you support education projects in South India, again, through a grassroots delivery partner on the ground there, I understand. Tell us about that programme. 
That's correct. We also support a small charity called the Grace Charitable Trust, and they are based in the Mudamalai province, which is south of Mysore. And it's actually a large tiger reserve. So very, very remote area, beautiful area, might I add, having just been there. I think it's one of those things where you read about it and you think, okay, and then you get there and you're like, wow. And I did actually see wild elephants when I was oh, there, wow. which I would never have expected. Yes, I have been to the Mother Malay Tiger Reserve and it is beautiful. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it is stunning. Yes. However, saying that, here I'm saying, oh, wow, it's stunning. I saw wild elephants. Of course, the reality for many of the villagers living there and remote villages is that it's not just, oh, wow, I saw a wild elephant today. Life is very, very difficult for a lot of the people who live there. The Grace Charitable Trust was set up essentially to help very remote villages with lots of the people living there in experiencing great hardship without running water or electricity or transport opportunities. So it's not easy to travel to school, etc. And so what we have done is we have funded a network of school buses that cover about six different routes across the region, which take children from these remote villages to school and home every day. And in addition to that, we've set up tuition centres. So we, Adventure Ashram, have paid for about three tuition centres, and I believe there's about seven in total now, which we help to fund across the year. And so the reason for those is that often if families don't necessarily have electricity, etc., the children might not be able to do their homework easily. And so the tuition centres provide almost a hub for the village where we pay a teacher to come along in the evenings. And so children can come from like six o'clock, to eight o'clock or nine and they can sit and they can do their homework together they can get help with their homework and it just helps to ensure that they have that opportunity really to kind of focus in on their education and make sure that they are able to complete their homework etc so the grace charitable trust is very small and it's been set up with help from adventure ashram and other supporters too essentially now helps about 250 children a year and so we're helping with things like funding school uniforms and books etc And yeah, so the transport and the charity there works with the schools. And so there's additional needs we might be able to help in other ways. So, for example, obviously during COVID, when the schools were shut and everybody was in lockdown, a lot of the families then experienced different levels of hardship. And so for a lot of people, they really struggled with things like accessing food simply because they weren't able to travel or people lost job opportunities, etc. And so one of the things that we did was provide emergency food packages. And so Grace Charitable Trust, using funds provided by Adventure Ashram, went to each of the villages and provided food for the people living there. And when I was recently there, one of the mothers came up and sort of said, I just want to say thank you for that additional help because that actually really kept us going during this difficult time. And so it's obviously like all of these things, it's when you're able to actually speak to people and meet them and hear firsthand the different things that they've benefited from really, really helps to see the value in that. So it sounds like you have a really great collaborative partnership delivery model with both the Odinardi Trust as well as the Grace Charitable Trust. How do you select projects and partners? So historically, I'm actually the third CEO for Adventure Ashram, having just joined this year. And so there's been two people ahead of me. And so historically, I understand the projects were selected through being in India, being in Mysore, and essentially with as far as Odinardi is concerned, is hearing about the work and meeting Stanley and Parashu, the amazing founders of Odinardi, who are still integral and very much involved in everything to do with it, and recognizing the sort of importance and value of the work and then growing the partnership from there. So 
Adventure Ashram actually took a lead role in providing a home for boys specifically. And so the accommodation that they'd had previously wasn't really as suitable as it should have been. And so Adventure Ashram fundraised to build the Odinadi Boys Home. And now I visited that recently and it's, you know, on the edge of Mysore in a beautiful setting. It's a lovely home. Currently is housing about 22 boys and those boys are all children who have experienced obviously very difficult challenges and may have experienced things like domestic servitude themselves or they could also, some of them are children of women who have been forced into prostitution, things like that. And so it was just lovely being able to visit the home and see it sat in this lovely surrounding, very peaceful with lots of beautiful garden, lots of trees and fruit growing. And they're cared for wonderfully by a group of staff. And just seeing that Adventure Ashram essentially has sort of helped Odinadi by funding that and continues to fund and support the finances of that home. And so that's been one of the big ways that we've supported, but obviously now through Yoga Stops Traffic, we also provide a huge amount of funding for the Odinadi girls as well. And so we will, the funds raised from Yoga Stops Traffic really are aimed at providing housing and all of the support services that the women and children access there. And it really is, it's very much a holistic approach to caring for everybody there. So it's not just a kind of here's a home with some beds and some food, you know, it's everything. It's really counselling and, you know, making sure that everyone's okay and in terms of their physical well-being. So every morning they awake, practice either yoga or karate, for example, and there's all sorts of different programmes and things for everybody. So I suppose really when I think about everything that Odinadi does for these girls and boys and the women that it helps is provides so much to really help them move forward in life, to help them heal and then find jobs and move forward in a way. And it's great hearing some of the stories of what young people have gone on to become. There's people who've lived at Odinadi who are now lawyers and journalists and working in all sorts of different fields and are, you know, happy and healthy and living really the life that they deserve. And I think What I find brilliant about Adventure Ashram is it started off really from a very positive sense. They just did that wanting to give back a group of people who came together and said, right, we love this place. What can we do to make a good difference here? And ultimately, adventurers, what does that mean? It's about having freedom to go off and have an adventure and that idea that you can go off and do something that you want to do and have that self-determination. And so Really, the two combined together to me is that helping the women and children that are supported at Odinadi or actually also by Grace Charitable Trust in providing education and therefore a chance for a better future is really that hope that they can determine their futures themselves as well and find their own adventures. I love that, Siobhan. I grew up in India, and although it was in the big city of Chennai, what I definitely saw was a lot of disparity and inequalities. And I'm so pleased to hear the work that the Adventure Ashram is doing in India. And I'm pleased to be able to help shine a spotlight on your great work and hopefully be able to garner some more support for your work in India through this podcast. So tell us about your future plans at the Adventure Ashram. Are you looking to expand and take on new projects? So in terms of the future plans, I think there's a couple of thoughts there. I think we have been hit hard over the last couple of years. Like I'm not going to shy away from that, as many, many other charities are facing the same situation. It has been tough. And so we're coming into the new year now. And my desire at the moment is 
I want to start this new year really like a firecracker, not a damp squib. We need to kind of rally the troops, so to speak. We've got lots of exciting fundraisers planned in the next six months. We've got Karma Curry events. We've got Yoga Stops Traffic. We have the UK Car and Bike Rally as well. And a film night. I mean, it's all go. Are you showing a Bollywood film? Yes. Could I have some suggestions? But (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put my thinking hat on. I'm I'm not up to speed with the latest Bollywood hits, I must admit. But I can certainly have a look and get back to you. But yeah, I think for me, it's about, right, let's forget this doom and gloom if we can. There are opportunities out there. And now is the time for us to be fundraising in the best way we can in positive ways. Let's have fun to do what we need to do, which is raise as much money as possible to support the projects that we want to support. And with strengthened finances and being in a strong position, our aim is obviously we would love to be able to support more projects. I certainly would love to pursue that. We do have plans. We've got a big motorbike ride trip in Thailand in October of 2023. And that is designed also to provide support for a charity which helps refugees on the Thai-Myanmar border. So we do have plans to provide additional support in actually a different place, which is exciting. And that's all in plan at the moment. And again, if the people are keen, please check it out and join the trip if you would like. But yeah, I think for myself, it's to expand and look at lots of new horizons. You also need to ensure that you're financially resilient and strong and also thinking of priorities for the future and future plans. One main issue for me and a priority is ensuring that we work in a sustainable way with our partners. So we're here to support them with capacity building. You know, I'd love to be able to help them access funding from other sources as well, both the Grace Charitable Trust and the Odinardi Siva Trust. There's always a responsibility to do that in the charity field, especially when you're working internationally like ourselves. We're very much here as a helping hand. We obviously don't operate ourselves independently in India, but we are here very much as supporters and friends and partners of the charities that we work with. And moving forward, if everything works out, then it would be absolutely fantastic to work with other charities. I would absolutely love to. And I know that there's many, many fantastic organizations working in India in the same or similar fields. And so, yes, it's definitely something that we're considering. Well, Siobhan, the Thailand on the road adventure with purpose event sounds very exciting. And I love your attitude about starting like a firecracker and not a damp squib. Absolutely brilliant, (laughs) uh, positive support and fun. Do let me know when the next Karma Curry Night is, because I would love to join you. I'd love that, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Indeed. Do you have one planned for the first half of the year? Yes, we do, actually. So Saturday, the 25th of February, we're having a karma curry night at an award-winning, no less, restaurant in Brick Lane. So yes, please, tickets are going on sale very soon. And yes, obviously, we I would 100% love to welcome you there. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. The next karma curry night on the 25th of February, 2023. Get your tickets in now for a fantastic night at a curry house in Brick Lane. Siobhan, you talked there about financial resilience and capacity building for your partners on the ground in India. And I know that Adventure Ashram is a small charity. You've got three members of staff, is that right? 
That's right. We've only got three. We're all part-time. So it's a tight ship, put it that way. And because of that, obviously, we rely very heavily on some amazing volunteers who support us in all sorts of different ways. We see not only our trustee board, but we have volunteers assisting with our admin and finance administration, as well as, of course, fundraising, event planning, communications, all of that. Yes, volunteers, and in particular volunteer trustees, have a vital role to play in charities. Siobhan, I understand that you are currently looking for new trustees to join the board of Adventure Ashram. Tell us what you need. Oh, absolutely. And yes, funnily enough, we are actually recruiting for new trustees at the moment. So if anyone would be interested in coming on our board and supporting Adventure Ashram as a trustee, please do get in touch. We are especially interested, obviously, of hearing from more women who have lived or cultural experience of India. That is an area we recognise we would definitely like to have more input from people on the board. So if that is something that you would be interested in, please, please do get in touch. Yes, indeed. Having that volunteer support as a small charity or as any charity of any size is absolutely vital. And I know, Siobhan, that being the CEO of one small charity and trustee of another yourself... I wanted to ask what advice you have for other sector leaders out there who are also running small charities that might be actually struggling in this current environment with the cost of living crisis and high inflation and everything that is going on right now. So what advice do you have to other small charity leaders in the sector? Because I know the sector is full of small charities that provide a really valuable and vital service. That's right. I really do think that there is very much a place for small charities in this country. And there are small charities. In fact, the majority of charities actually are smaller. And we provide all sorts of services, both within the UK and help across the globe. I'm also a trustee for Women's Aid in Luton, that's right, which is a refuge for women who are experiencing domestic abuse, women and children. And that currently runs five refuge houses in Luton. And of course, they are also affected by things like the cost of living crisis and the energy crisis. I could sit here and talk about the numerous problems. We could probably talk about that together for hours on end. (laughs) I don't think anyone wants to hear it anymore. The reality is we all know what we're facing. And I know that charity CEOs this year has been very, very tough for everyone working in the sector. And I think finally, actually, that is really starting to come to the fore. I noticed that Jeremy Hunt was filmed yesterday speaking in Parliament about the issues facing charities and hopefully promising to provide some kind of support for that in the new year. Yes, it's about time, government. Oh, yeah. I look towards hearing more about that eagerly. And I'm just pleased that actually it's being raised. The BBC have also published an article this week, something along the lines of the huge mountain charities are facing due to a lack of donations received. This is the issue, isn't it? There are lots and lots of conflicting issues. You know, Women's Aid in Luton and charities like that are struggling. But advice and tips, I think, having thought about this, we've all had nights, I'm sure, in the last six months where you wake up at three in the morning and obviously that's the time when you all the worst things, the worst thoughts that you could have file into your head. And I've reached a point where, yes, let's listen to Deborah Alcock-Tyler. I saw her piece as well and I thought, yes, so, you know, she always has such brilliant advice. And yes, I think you've got to think things hopefully will get better at some point. Yes, we don't know when that's going to be, but down with this doom and gloom. So I think for me, the first piece of advice I have is to focus on what you can control and not what you can't. And I think it's very easy to get caught up in there is so much that we can focus on that's negative and difficult and beyond our control. I saw another piece of good advice by another CEO sort of saying, 
don't spend 90% of your time kind of staring at your terrifying financial forecasting or what have you, you know, for some people. I think that's what I really think for this new year is let's not catastrophize following this overload of negativity about what we cannot control. You know, and certainly as small charities, what have we got in our back pocket? Well, we can be really creative. We can be agile, dare I say it, adventurous in our thinking. Venture Ashram, we may be small, but we've got all of these different amazing fundraising activities planned and a really amazing global campaign in Yoga Stops Traffic. And so that's what I'm going to try and focus on in the next six months is moving forward positively as much as we can. Obviously, this is about connecting with people. The role of CEO can feel quite lonely at times and you're sort of there between your board and then everyone else and your supporters and donors and staff and volunteers and But what I've realized really is that every charity, be it small or large, is really a community. We all exist because of a community of lots and lots of different people who help in different ways. And almost the CEO role feels a bit like stewarding that community. And so I'm just hoping in the next six to 12 months to rally the troops, you know, connect with all of our past supporters who have been incredibly generous over the years to Adventure Ashram, provided huge financial support. Also connect with lots of other people who are really passionate about the same things that we're passionate about, who may be passionate about India and trying to support people there, or maybe interested in taking on a bit of an adventure to raise money for a good cause. I'm going to be focusing on what I can control and trying to ignore all of those terrible things that I really cannot do anything about. Absolutely agree with you there, Siobhan. Focus on what you can control. Don't get consumed by negativity and be creative, agile and adventurous in your thinking. I love that bit about being adventurous in your thinking. And yes, completely agree with you that charities are communities and our role as leaders, as chief executives, is to steward that community. I think oftentimes there's a lot of talk in the sector that there's too many charities, 170,000 charities, and you should perhaps merge. But I really think each charity has been set up in order to serve the needs of a particular beneficiary group because those needs were not being served. And so there is huge value that is provided by each organisation. And if small charities weren't there, actually, that group of beneficiaries probably wouldn't be served. And so we have a vital role to play. And yes, I know Debs is also going to be on the Third Sector podcast in January. So I look forward to hearing more of her wonderful advice for the year to come. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait to listen to that myself. And yes, I think you've just hit on some really important points there, actually, is that obviously, There are fantastic big organizations clearly working in the field of human trafficking and modern slavery, doing absolutely brilliant work globally, and they should be supported. All charities deserve and need support. For people sort of saying, are there too many small charities? Adventure Ashram may be small, but actually, with the resources that we have, which are fairly limited, we are managing to support and provide support to lots and lots of different people in different ways. And that's pretty special too. And so I think it's important to give your help, if you can, to a variety of organisations, ideally. I really think at this point, I don't want to sound kind of flippant in a sense or recklessly optimistic about just driving forward and hoping for the best, but recognising things are very, very challenging for numerous people who are experiencing lots of hardship in the UK and globally. That is the truth. But at the same time, what I would say to people is, do you want to wake up in a year's time 
where actually the majority of these small charities have all shut actually because people just haven't been able to support them or they haven't been able to garner the support that they and help that they need and therefore we're in a situation where you've really only got the absolute biggies and I don't know if people do want to live in that world it is nice to have variety and it is nice to have the small charities reality is if you want to come and volunteer with Adventure Ashram or you want more information about the projects we support or you'd be interested in holding a karma curry night and you want to find out what that means I'm actually at the end of the phone. I'm at the end of an email. And if you want to find out more and you want to speak to me, you'd be able to speak to me because we're small and we're here to really just connect with as many people as possible and be transparent and all of those wonderful things. And I think that being a small charity, that really is possible. Small but mighty, Siobhan, definitely small (laughs) but mighty and very, very important. So if people do want to connect with you, where can they find you? So you can find us on our website, which is www.adventureashram.org. And my email address is Siobhan at adventureashram.org. And yeah, please do feel free to get in touch. I would love to be flooded with questions. (laughs) Brilliant. Siobhan, I'd love to actually hear more about your own leadership journey. I know that this is your first chief executive role with the Adventure Ashram. Tell us how you ended up where you are today. Oh, right. Yes. So that's correct. So I've only really been in my first CEO role for about eight or nine months now. So it feels very much an honor to be included on this podcast, might I add. Oh, delighted to have you. You're very welcome. But yes, I think it's like anyone's career history is quite interesting, isn't it? I've worked in the charity sector now for about 15 or so years. And so I started out actually really in marketing communications. I had In my earlier in my career, I actually worked in the architecture industry on their marketing teams. And so that's where I started out all those years ago. And then I volunteered quite a lot. And if I'm honest, I think through my volunteering is actually was my path into the sector, actually, in terms of employment. So I volunteered for a small organization which provided grant funding to medical aid charities in Southeast Asia. And then I moved on from there. I became the head of marketing at a large grant making organization. And I found that really interesting because obviously working for a grant maker, you obviously learn lots and lots about lots of different charities. And a lot of what we really focused on in our marketing was really sharing their story. So it was quite an interesting way of really being able to kind of get connected with, I suppose, and learn more about the sector as a whole and a variety of different organizations And then the role that I had prior to my current role was actually at the children's heart charity called Echo. And this is another small charity, but doing really, really fantastic work supporting families of children with heart conditions who are supported by the Evelina London Hospital Networks. And so they provide support to families all across Southeast England. And I worked there for about six years and I joined originally as the communications and volunteering manager. So as is the often the way with smaller charities, my role evolved over time and I ended up as the head of operations, worked closely with the CEO there, Samantha Johnson, who has been really fantastic for Echo. It's gone on a real journey since I joined and since clearly Sam joined and now is very established, supporting lots and lots of families who's experienced really tough times, certainly during covid It was very tough for lots and lots of families and Echo really, we provided a lot of help and we're a linchpin in terms of providing information for people. Well, thank you, Siobhan. I'm always fascinated to hear leadership journeys and stories as to how people's careers evolve. And I'm actually really curious about your experience being a grant maker and how that connects into how you're thinking about impact and measuring impact at the Adventure Ashram. 
So, yeah, so I, when I was working at the grant maker, obviously I was head of marketing, so I wasn't actually making choices on the grants per se, but I worked very, very closely with the head of grants there and it really provided an opportunity to get in-depth information about how lots and lots of charities, and they've had, they funded lots of different sort of categories of charity. And so, yeah, in terms of impact, and I mean, to be honest, that's over six years ago now. And I think, I don't know if you'd agree, but that conversation about impact, it's changed in that time, really, and how we view it. Yes, absolutely. And so for me, yes, it is a priority, really, that we think about how we measure the impact of what we're doing. And for us, obviously, working closely with our partner charities in India, it's really about working with them to ensure that we're able to demonstrate the value of their work. So I think really when I consider how we can support the charities in terms of measuring impact, etc., it's really about working with them to ensure that we are able to demonstrate the value of the work that they do. And it's not for me just a data exercise. It's not just about listing numbers anymore. It's really about how we can work with one another to show that we really understand what their priorities are, the challenges that they're facing, and also the difference that they're making in people's lives. And for me, it's important that we are able to do that in such a way that we are able to explain to our funders, obviously, and our donors and supporters, the value in their work. Yes, you're absolutely right, Siobhan. The conversation and thinking around impact and impact measurement has changed. In fact, I was at a conference hosted by the Joseph Rantree Foundation a few months ago where there were lots of grant makers present and the CEO of Esme Fairburn was talking about how Esme are actually now looking to move their thinking from requiring charities to show evidence of impact to actually requiring them to show evidence of progress, which much more fits along the lines of what are the outcomes of the work and what is the difference that you are making to people's lives. And oftentimes it's much more qualitative and nuanced than you can show through log frames and numbers, as you very rightly say. Wow. I mean, I think that's really interesting to hear. I think the change of direction actually is quite needed. And I know it's difficult, you know, as a trustee of Women's Aid in Luton, I know that impact measurement is obviously a major factor when you're applying for lots of grants and trust fundraising. And I think it would be really, really nice for it to be less of a box ticking exercise. And there's lots of different ways, hopefully we can really show the value in people's work. Yes, and perhaps the whole sector, particularly the grant-making sector, will allow charities to be creative and agile and adventurous in how they are approaching their work, to use your (laughs) phrase from a little earlier in our conversation. And looking back, Siobhan, what advice would you give to yourself on day one of taking up the CEO role at Adventure Ashram? I think the advice I would give myself on day one really is just to embrace it. You're not alone is what I would say. Yes, you might be taking on the CEO role and it's a small team, but I've got some valuable support in my trustee board who really are there at the end of a phone if I need it and just embrace it. It's an amazing opportunity for me to take on this role. I love the idea of adventure. I was one of those kids that just read adventure books and watched adventure programs as much as I could and So for me, just taking on this role is just an absolute honor because it is combining some of my own sort of personal interests with obviously a cause that I care really, really passionately about through both being a trustee at Women's Aid in Luton and also now the CEO in Adventure Ashram. For me, really being able to help people pursue their own dreams in life and have their own personal freedoms and be able to just make decisions to live the life that they really deserve to live is really nothing short of a privilege, if I'm honest. So 
yes, that would be my advice is embrace it all. And as we've said, don't be looking at all that doom and gloom and letting it get to you. I love that, Siobhan. So embrace the adventure and enable others to find and follow their own adventures. Oh, absolutely. That really is the key for me is the bottom line is we are here. The people we're helping and supporting, ideally, I want them to be able to find their own adventures in life and live a life of happiness and the life they deserve. Well, thank you, Siobhan. It's been absolutely brilliant speaking with you today. And in closing now, do you have any final thoughts or further reflections that you would like to share? What is one thing that you would like listeners to take away from this conversation? This is something I always ask all my guests as we finish our conversations. One thing I would like to say is we're really lucky in the UK to have such a vibrant charity sector. We've got so many charitable organisations And the reason that they've been successful for so many years is because we have so many people who are willing to give. And whether that's them, generous donations, it's their time, it's their commitment and help. You know, I think we're really lucky to live in a society with so many people who really want to help and give back. And so really, it's just recognizing that, I think, and, you know, doing what you can. You know, I know lots of people are struggling right now and simply cannot donate, but there's all sorts of ways we can support one another, whether it's sharing stories or through financial donations or giving some time if you can, or just really let's celebrate the charity sector and let's do what we can all together to make sure that in a year's time it is as vibrant as it has been and is today. Well, thank you, Siobhan. Thank you for the work that you, your team and your partners are doing in India. I'm so pleased to hear it. And thank you for being a guest on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's an absolute honor to be here. Big fan of the show. So (laughs) I was delighted, in fact, to be invited. And I think it's fantastic. So yes, thank you for obviously shining a spotlight on so many different causes and smaller charities such as Adventure Ashram, because it is a huge honor and help for us, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you, Siobhan, for that reminder that being able to pursue our dreams and our own adventures can sometimes be a privilege and that not everyone is awarded that same privilege. For many of us in the charity sector, helping people pursue their dreams in life and enabling them to have the personal freedom to make their own decisions is both a duty and a calling. And in today's world, where we continue to see atrocities such as sexual exploitation, modern slavery and human trafficking, this work is needed more than ever. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Charity CEO podcast a show that thanks to you, our listeners, has repeatedly reached the number one spot in Apple's non-profit podcast category. If you found this conversation valuable, please share or tag us on Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram and make sure you subscribe to the show by clicking the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are feeling inspired or uplifted by what you have just heard, please share the joy and leave us a five-star review. Visit our website, thecharityceo.com for full show details information on previous season episodes, and to submit ideas for future guests. In order to balance my personal and professional commitments, the show will now come to you once a month instead of fortnightly. But I assure you, it will be worth the wait. Thank you for listening.